Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. So, Father, we thank you for all these testimonies. They only indicate that you are here among us fulfilling your promises, Lord, because you have great and precious promises for those that want to escape the snares of the lust of this life, the world, the thinking like the world, the acting like the world, the preferring the things like the world prefers them, Lord. We have decided that we're going to do it God's way. We want to see your glory and not our shame. We want to see your faithfulness, Lord, in our lives. You fulfilling the promises, you making the dreams come true, you allowing the vision to be a light, Father God, and to allow us to advance for the people without a vision, they perish. And we pray, Father God, that we draw closer to your heart and to your word and to your reality, that the people might marvel when they see the great exploits, the things you have done, the wonderful, um, precious uh, faithfulness you have over your people, that you would incline your ear and listen to their cry and fulfill and, and, and deliver them from distress and weariness. So we pray that this morning your word also would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, a good seed planted in good hearts, that would give forth good fruit, a harvest that glorifies you, Lord. We pray that your word, O God, would be as sharp as a double-edged sword, piercing to the difference, discerning between the thoughts and the heart of man's soul and spirit, O Lord. Allow your word, Father God, to make us fruitful, to make us wise unto the things that pertain to God. For yours is the glory and the honor forever and ever, Lord. We bless you and we pray that your word would not return void this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The challenges of standing in a pulpit and bringing the word of the Lord is that we could always compare ourselves to the, the what the Bible calls the mirror of God. You look into the mirror, not to judge or criticize the mirror, but to fix the substance that's reflected from that mirror. And the word of God is a mirror. And we see there the perfect reality of the image of Christ. We have said 2 Corinthians 3.18 is the model of our transformation. And transformation does not take place unless you're comparing yourself with Christ. Quit wasting your time trying to judge and compare yourselves amongst each other. Every person that gets on social media to criticize or to make mention of what some other church is doing or some other Christian is doing is wasting his time from the true pursuit of looking like Christ. That's our pursuit. We want to be as he is when we see him. The Bible says now with unhypocritical faces, without faces covered but unveiled, we're beholding in an image the glory of the Lord, beholding in a mirror the reflection of his glory. And as we do that, as your concentration is to measure yourself up to him, you then become transformed, the Bible says, into the same image from glory to glory, just as what through the Spirit of the Lord is doing. That's what he's wanting to do, to make you more like Christ. And so as I appreciate people saying, Bishop, you're my example. Well, to the extent that I'm imitating Christ, to the extent that that standard of how he comports himself, I want people to follow my example. And, and obviously, these people that travel with us, they saw a million things in my life they don't want to be like. Um, in, in regards to areas that don't look like Christ and are not refined. And, um, and so that is our pursuit. 
How would Christ do this? How would he respond? How would he look? How would he teach? And so every time that the flood of debauchery, 2 Timothy 3, verse 2, it says, know this, in the end days, it will be perilous times. Verse 1, Paul is telling Timothy the last days is full of dangerous times. Why? Verse 2, because man will be lover of himself. Selfishness is the expression of everything gone wrong. If you see every, and I said it at the marriage conference in Oregon, if you see a marriage demise, look for selfishness. Look for a person trying to make their way and have their point in that relationship. But the opposite is the blessing where it says that there's no greater love than the one who denies self. So you have the two standards, if you will. The standard of the world is selfishness. The standard of God is love. Denying yourself. Not what you want, what the Father wants. So that is the key expression to save every marriage. Quit criticizing your spouse and start confessing your sins. Start start unleashing where you have gone wrong. And when I tell people this all the time, they come into my office, they'll speak about an hour, how horrible their spouse is. And then when, when I say, okay, we're done with your spouse now, tell me about you. Confess your sins. And they go, what are you talking about? I mean, this is the, this is the art of perfection right here. You're, you're seeing it. No, you're not the art of perfection. And your inability to see your side of the coin reflects in that selfish existence that's a destruction to any people. James chapter 3, verse 16 says, wherever there is self-ambition, there is all manner of confusion, chaos, and every evil thing will be manifest where there's self-seeking. Where you have a person only looking out for number one, himself or herself, you have a wrecked relationship marriage. The church doesn't even work in this atmosphere of selfishness. What is it? For me, how do I get out of it? No, my friend, is what are you putting into it? How are you laying down your life? And so in that regards, we, we have these two standards, the standard of the world and the standard of God. And this morning, I just want to highlight that we raise and consider that we raise his standard. What is God's standard? Um, this standard of the measure of what God wants in all things. That, that should be our pursuit. So people, a lot of people over the years is, well, spring of life has a high standard. Well, let me just tell you, it's not our standard. It's his standard. His standard is perfect. It's the perfect measure of all things. The perfect expression that allows you to inherit something called glory. When your life lines up to the word of God, you begin to see something that has people blown away. Do you really live like that? Absolutely. Our pursuit is to, to do all things according to God. If we did all things according to God, we would see the enemy has no chance in our lives. He has no chance to bring upon us destruction, to bring upon us ruin, to bring upon us the, the thing that occurred in Texas. This thing with the, the mass school shooting um, and the world's all upset. And I say, listen, don't be upset. Understand that you're living outside of God's standard where there is no joy. There is no peace. There is no life. 
It's just destruction and ruin and and really a nightmare. So so I I was able to post something in in you know when these things happen I I, I I'm not quickly to post because I'm like in shock that they're even taking place. How does this young man grow up with a drug addict mom? How is it that his father is not part of the answer to this young man's problem? How is it that a grandma inherits the headache? And how is it that not being able to handle the burden of a wayward son, she kicks him out of the house, and his best expression is to go down to the schoolhouse and take, I think it's 17 children's lives. 19 with the two adults. 21 with the two adults. Correction. 19 boys and girls suffer the dropping the ball, not of the young man who is the fruit of having neglected the fellowship in the house of God. Because it's the house of God that establishes the standard of God in the hearts of His people. And if you have people that don't go to the house of God, then they're not... They're not living according to God's standard. They don't even say it's a high standard because they have no standard at all. Everyone doing as they please is not what God has called us to. And the perfection of God's people in the house of God, the Bible says, to the measure, to the stature, to the fullness of a perfect man. In every, There's not an area of our life that should be affected by shame or sorrow, if we're living according to the glory of God. And He has come. God has come to raise a standard. And one of my favorite verses growing up, Isaiah 59, 19, growing up I used to say, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when you're surrounded on every side and you're going to drown, then God comes. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against this flood of craziness. So to be able to say the water level is here and it's not to overwhelm me. I'm to be above the flood. I'm I'm to be on the rise. I have this thing in my pocket. Let me see if I pull it out. Look at the difference with what we could have here. Here on one side of my pocket are lifesavers. And that's not what I wanted. But here, the plumb line. This is what I wanted. This, This is... This is a builder's instrument on how to make sure the things go well. And no one in the whole earth builds anything without the plumb line. And the plumb line is the perfect vertical measure for the blessing in all things built. And it doesn't matter who holds this. Uh, Let me see who we have here. Sebastian, come up here. Come up here real quick. It doesn't matter if it's a young man who still hasn't been married, still doesn't have a wife, still doesn't know what a family's about, and he can hold the plumb line, hold it right up and down there, and it's not going to change. doesn't matter if it's a young person or an old person. The standard of God is His standard. And it's His measure. And it's not to be moved and altered by the craziness of people that want to live without God's standard. Thank you, sir. You did a great job. You didn't move. All right. So here it is. In Amos 7, 7, when God is telling Israel that they're out of whack, that the things are out of order, 
The Bible says, Behold, the Lord stood on the wall and made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And it's that instrument we just pulled out. It's that when God is doing anything, forget about what Joaquin says, and much less what Joaquinito says. This is people have no measure of God's excellence right before their very noses. That God is doing excellent things among us. We don't even understand. We don't know how to describe. But we are partaking of His glory as we process this measure of His excellence. God always brought up the true vertical. And it's the line that we need in our lives. That's why I try in my efforts at life to surround myself with wise men. With men who take God serious. They're not trying to showcase the knowledge of their theology or the extent of their experience or, or their age. No, they're passionate about what God wants. Listen, there was no greater joy than to meet Dr. J. Grimstead, a, a man who you can tell his passion for life in just having a conversation with him. He wrote an entire book and, and documented it. Over 2,000 scholars and theologians trying to say, what does God mean about his word? This, this disciple of Francis Schaeffer at 87, he's not talking about his illnesses, his bowel movements. He's not talking about how horrible life is. His passion is, where is God's measure for our generation? What does God say about a thing? Because if you twist what God says, then you get a twisted result. You lose what God is trying to build. And so when God describes himself as wanting to build with excellence there in Isaiah 28, 17, he says, I will make a precise measure. I will make justice the plumb line and righteousness the plumb line, the the hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. Everything that's not built according to God's standard perishes. It falls apart. It disintegrates. It does not bring fulfillment. The waters will overflow the hiding places. Whatever crevice that you've, you know, and, and that's, I've said this for years, the biggest travesty for young people is having older people that don't show them reality and genuineness. The greatest blessing is to show your children where the where, where things are not precise and exact. I've told my children, listen, I've set a standard. I've raised you guys according to a vision. But I, I fear that as soon as I'm out of here, you're going to compromise. You're going to start diminishing the extent of the line that has been drawn in your life. And they said, no, Dad, we're going to raise it to line up with the plumb line even with more excellence. And in other words, what you did is awesome, but we're going to take it to the, the, the precise measure of what God wants. And I said, I, I would be the happiest man on the earth if that were true. If you decided to say, Dad, you know something? Your standard is here, like, like what Danny did. You know, he says... Get rid of your man caves. That's, that's God's plumb line. And I have to hold up men to that measure. It doesn't change. It wasn't Danny's measure. It wasn't my measure. It was God's standard and measure. 
And when you hold up whatever is going on to God's standard, then you, you build correctly. You're able to, to um, be rewarded by that expression. Here it is, a plumb line, a weight hanging from a cord. It ensures that the weight hangs perfectly straight, allowing the builder to ensure that the structure is vertical. It's an effective tool that, that they use the word, are you building according to the true plumb? And it's not the fruit, the plumb, the, the, the device here. Are, are you building with that measure of excellence? This is not used to go around like a Pharisee and, oh, look at you. Uh, this is for your benefit. That you build with excellence so you have the expression of your joy. So that your smile and countenance reflects that you did it right. Because there's no greater craziness than you building for what is going to set you up for great sorrow and great heartache for many years. When you're going out and choosing a marriage partner, don't sit there. I saw that when we came back from the airport yesterday. Um, one young girl was met at the terminal by her boyfriend. And he was having a bouquet of flowers. Don't trust a man with a bouquet of flowers. Um, he, he was going up to her and he says, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And she was like turning backflips upside down. And she, she, I'm listening to her conversation. This is what she says. She tells him, do you believe my mom said not to trust you? Do you believe my dad doesn't even want to meet you? And this was her response to her mom. But mom, how can I help it? He's told me I'm the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. Wolf. So the disparity between the measure that she's been brought up to keep in her father and mother had been diverted by a guy. You can tell what the guy was all about just by looking at him. And she was like a little sheep. I don't know. Maybe she was going to swallow him. Listen, I don't know, but I'm just saying that a lot of times we're going with false measure of all things. And you don't want somebody in your life who tells you you're doing right when you're doing wrong. And, and that's the measure of animosity people have when I walk around and say, but Pastor, what do you think? I was like, uh, you're crooked and twisted. Not because I want to criticize and diminish, but, but for the sake of whatever you're trying to do, do it right. And then people run from this place like if it was a plague. Don't go there. They're going to measure your manhood. Absolutely. I could have asked that guy last night three questions. And she would have given back that guy the flowers. In two seconds, the plumb line was out. And there was not an accurate vertical measure of things right. The, the accommodation of things twisted is our generation. They have preferred to have no standards. They have no measure. When a guy shows up in their life, they don't have any criteria by which to judge that person to determine whether it's going to be a faulty edification. What's that mean? The building's coming down. It's just a matter of time and place where when you build wrong, you get the wrong results. And then all there is is a lot of sorrow. Proverbs 21.8 says the way of the wicked is crooked 
The way of a guilty man is twisted, but as for the pure, his work is right. So to be able to bring things into your life that hold you to a certain standard, um, some families had no standards at all. Some families uh, raise up with no no expression, just any imbecile could show at the front door, and the father's like, good, I got rid of her, talking about his daughter. And so there's no standard for what we're entrusting another generation. But we serve a God of excellent standard, and he's always constantly bringing that into light. Proverbs 24, 23, these are the sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment, this doesn't apply to it. This not apply to particular people, but to all people. You can't just say, well, I'm just not like that. Well, I just don't feel like that. It doesn't matter what you're like or how you feel. If you're not building according to God's word, you're going you're gonna to see the devastation of the nightmare that occurs. He, Verse 24, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous. He who says to the wicked, everything's going to be okay. Him, people will curse. You don't want to be about, about those people that, that say, oh, everything's going to be okay with you. The, the people will curse you and the nation will abhor you. If there's something that is right, logically speaking, then there has to be something that is wrong. Not everything could be done in the measure of your sentiment. That means find out what God wants. Find out what God thinks. This is, this is the, the passion for a man after God's own heart. Lord, I, this is the way I feel, but what do you say? Lord, I don't want this cup, but not my will. Thine be done. Let's go with your measure. And I can tell you, as a man who has pursued God's measure for a long time, I am living a dream. I'm living things that I never thought were even remotely possible in my life until God's standard became my pursuit. Not, not to impose, not to obligate. Some people say, well, you're just too, you, your standards are too high. They're not my standards. And if you don't want to keep them, that's fine. I don't have an issue with you, but don't keep me from keeping them. Don't, don't have an issue that I want to pursue God's excellence that I know what God says about children and who are they to be. My daughter asked me at the age of 18, she says, Dad, who's to decide who I'm going to marry? I said, I'm to decide. Hallelujah. Who's to decide? I don't know who she was thinking. It was better than her dad to decide. But guess what? Because she has kept my standard, she's going to see God's glory. She has, uh, uh, she has permitted herself to, to put aside her sentiment and her feelings to honor her father and to bring joy to my heart. And in time, I'm telling her, I said, Christina, you might be married by December. Be careful. You never know what God's up to. God will show up and blow you away with what he has prepared for those who love him. No eyes have seen. We haven't seen him yet. No ears have heard. Hasn't come into the heart of God what God has prepared for those who love him. And so his standard becomes a standard of excellence and not many want to keep it. And be careful because the devil will always bring you an imitation. He'll try to substitute the standard of God. We have raised the bar. He who says to the wicked, you're okay. People will curse him. 
my daughter will hate me every day of my life if I don't put her into the hands of a righteous world changer. If I don't say, okay, if, if I were to drop my measure and just accommodate mediocrity and lukewarmness and just anything's okay because it's, no, not everything's okay. God's standards are huge. They're glorious. They're amazing. And he's perfect in all his ways and all his measures. He says that um, an unjust measure is an abomination to the Lord. That means when you deviate from God's weight and substance and his standards, you lose. People will curse. Nations will denounce. Verse 25, but to those who rebuke the wicked, there I am. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that ministry of you rebuking the wicked in the face of the silence of the people that don't say nothing. To rebuke the wicked will have delight and good blessings will come upon them. I got huge favor on my life just on this Bible verse. And people in our day, they don't want to be called out. They don't want to uh, come to a place where God's standard is raised. What for? To keep the enemy out. One of the the heights of, of, of these scenarios uh, it was an eagle that had been assaulted by a snake. And the snake said, you know something? You're mine. And the first thing he did was to lift him up off the ground. Because now snakes, they can't move if they're above the ground. When they're in their atmosphere and habitat, they're, they're very vicious and dangerous. But then up in the air, he tried to struggle and strangle the eagle. And guess what happened? The eagle decided to soar so high that there was no oxygen for the snake to breathe. So when you're up against the devil, raise the bar, raise the standard, fly higher. Don't compromise, don't lose, don't give up. Raise them up where they cannot breathe at the measure and standard of God. Do not keep company with fools is one of God's standards. Avoid them, the Bible says. Mark them out. Those who are being selfish, let them be noted because they cause division, not having the Spirit of Christ, because they don't belong to Him. So we're not tuning into what they say or how they do things. We're raising up our standard. We're flying higher. But to those who rebuke the wicked, it will go well with them. They will find delight, and good blessing will come upon them. Have you ever come across anyone who sets high standards? This is one of the, the aspects of our upbringing. Um, there, there's no reason for you to be diminished under a lot of you can't do something. When we came to Christ, one of his standards is we can do all things in Christ who gives us strength. That means there's no insurpassable goal, hindrance, or obstacle. We're going to overcome because we're more than overcomers. And when you start receiving the standard of God, a lot of people, um, uh, could we afford it? Of course you could afford it in respect of moving God's direction called blessing. And you're going to see things you never even dreamed possible in the regards of his provision. I thank God for the measure of prosperity and increase. And this is this could be statistically measured in our church. People who start using God's standard start getting raised to the prosperity and success of God's glory. You begin to see something that you never even dreamed coming through. Um, I believe Denny just said it this morning. She never dreamed of once upon a time married to a prince. The, 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 
You got to share that testimony. Come here, Denny. I'm sorry, Denny. Lend me your wife a second. Watch this. This is what she said. She says, when I went out with Danny for the first time, he rebuked the wicked. He said to her, he said, I'm going to let you tell it. This is what she says at a marriage conference. And I was like, you go, girl. This is the first date. Um, so I shared in the marriage conference that uh, on our first date, um, he picks me up and we're, we're driving to, to some place to have dinner. And I said a curse word while we were at the light. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you're so beautiful, but you would be the most beautiful woman in the world if you just didn't curse. Um, and since that day, I've never said a curse word again. Um, and, and, was, and it's really to the glory of God because I was sharing that a couple of weeks prior. Um, I used to work in the gym, and so you're, you're kind of surrounded by men all the time and cursing and all these things. And, you know, I was becoming like that because that's where you're at in the environment that you're in. And I remember I was on the phone with someone like right in front of where all the treadmills are and I was just cursing up a storm. And I remember I looked up and I see everybody in the treadmills looking at me like, oh my goodness. And I just remember feeling a conviction and feeling like, man, I sound terrible. But I didn't change and I, I didn't really, you know, think anything. I was just like, whatever. I felt terrible, but I kept on. And then in our first date when he told me that it was really the presence of God that moved me, and I just, I never, I never cursed again. What if you wouldn't have been a Christian that night and decided not to listen to them? What would you have you told them? I would have told them, turn this car around and drop me off of my house. <laughs> you take me home right now. I curse wherever I want. No. <laughs> he decided to move in, thank you, in, move in God's direction. But, but only because she has a man in front of him saying, that's not the standard. You're, you're a woman, you'd be more beautiful if you didn't curse. And I, that's not Danny's standard. Because Danny was cursing like a sailor before he met Jesus. But when he met Jesus, now he has a different standard. And it's not because he's being religious. He's raising the bar to God's heights. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 71, 19. He says, Lord, your measure of righteousness, oh God, is so high. And after that, you're supposed to say, Hallelujah! Absolutely it's high. Because you're not ordinary. And your life is not supposed to be ordinary. And my kids are Martians. What's that mean? They don't live like the world lives. They don't talk like the world talks. They don't pursue. Imagine you're married a year. A year. I would have never, I'm sorry for my in-laws, I would have never gone anywhere with you guys within a year of being married. But that man and that woman moved at another standard of glory. Having the opportunity to vacation for seven days, the last place on earth you would want to be is with your in-laws. Unless you want to see the glory of God. Unless you want to ride like God would have you ride. So all the measures of everything possible changes when we're around other people. This is what Paul says. Let me find it real quick. I think it's important. In 2 Corinthians, he says, I would be crazy if I started living life comparing myself to other people. I can't afford that. 
I can't afford to say I'm doing better than my friend on the street. I, I got to find this verse. I think it was at the beginning. But look what he says here, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Paul says, listen, there's a lot of measures and comparisons we can spend our lives doing. Occupying yourself, he says, for we dare not compare ourselves, classify ourselves with those who commend themselves. There's some people saying, we're okay. You don't have to be a world changer. I had a guy say like that. He says, man, pastor, you're always talking about your team being the Navy SEALs. Can't we just be like lifeguards? Isn't that like a nice measure? We're saving lives. No, no, no. We're Navy SEALs. We go into the most difficult place. You don't want a lifeguard there, people. You're a guy with a, a ring around his neck saying, I'll come and say, there's no water here, brother. Go back to the shoreline. No, we want men and women that, that do not compromise the standard of God. It, it's, a, it's a disservice for you to say it's okay for you to take substandard ground. But they measure themselves amongst themselves, comparing themselves among themselves. These are not wise people. So I, I would far prefer that people not say, well, this is the way they do it at Spring of Life, or this is the way. And people that have been here for some period of time still remember what it was like to, to live in a company of people that were pursuing God's standard in all things, not for pharisaical outward appearance, but the internal reality of God's conscience in you. Because you could know that those that live with a seared conscience or no conscience at all are the most cowardly of people. They, they have no measure. This kid who walked into that school and couldn't discern the difference between children and war. You want to kill people, join the army. They'll give you an AR-15 and you go fight the battles for your country. But don't go into a, 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 a elementary school where little kids are hiding under their desks, putting bullets through their heads because you think you're doing something like super courageous and bold. No, you are a total imbecile. You're a fool. You're a puppet of the devil. So, But this is the church has lost its standard. I don't know. Some of the things that we're preaching around here are not being heard anywhere. Uh, people, when we go, I forgot what the last place it was. You know, they, they could go. I think it was a Stand Courageous. They, they could go into theology and they they mesmerize you with the depth of, of Scripture and deep, deep, deep. And when they lift up their eyes, their children are backslidden. Their daughters are on the street without the fear of God. They don't respect their dad. The sons don't want to imitate their fathers. And so there's no standard to keep. And so here I always say uh, we're living according to our understanding of what God wants. And, and I know, like Paul says, we haven't even got to where we really need to be. And then that's when people say, holy mackerel, then what is this guy saying? Listen, he's a holy God. He has awesome standards that, that we have not even considered. To give, he says in Romans 12, 1, 
I beseech you by the mercies of God, present your lives as holy sacrifices. Sacrifice your life that is acceptable to God so you might know His desire for your life. That the first step of finding out what God wants is get out of your way. You get out of God's way. Don't do it like you want. Get rid of what you want and say, God, what do you want? And then verse 2, he says, not conform to the world's standards. Don't use the world as, as look what's happening. I thank God for the Johnny Depp trial and Amber Heard because we get to see what's behind the scenes of what Hollywood, oh, here comes the superstar. Not superstar. The guy is mercifully needing Christ urgently. And so that woman also. That the glory of this world is a shame to those who live according. That their conversations are embarrassing and vulgar. But those who don't conform to the world are being transformed because their mind is taking a new standard, a higher standard, that you might prove what is acceptable, good, and perfect desire of God, what His will is. So these men who have said this, Psalm 15, say, okay, what's the standard of God for men? And the question is asked in verse 1, Psalm 15, 1, who can come up to that place? Who can dwell in your holy hill? Do you understand that God is not sucking the gutter? He's not looking for the lowest bar for you to go, I, I became a Christian. No, my friend, it's an impossible attempt that cost Christ everything. That the high bar of God would come into your life, not so you diminish it and disintegrate it. That people feel comfortable in your presence if you not rebuke them when they curse, even that being your girlfriend who you want to make your wife, and if you hold to God's standard, we're seeing the glory of God. We're seeing the measure of living life like God intended. Who's going to go up to that mountain? Verse 2, he who walks with integrity. I use the word transparent. He who shows his life off. Because when you show people how it's supposed to be, that has an overwhelming, profound effect in the lives of people who witness it. When Ceci and Pastor Medieros came from Mexico, they were having marital issues. The Lord had reconciled them to Christ, and they came and lived in our house for three months. We've been doing this for a long time. And living in our house for three months Ceci, the same thing, would begin to observe Yvette's life with three small children, never complaining, doing housework, attending to her husband, tending to the affairs of the family as a virtuous woman. She went back to Mexico, and she fired all three of her maids, one who would cook, one who would clean, and one who would do the laundry. The effects of God's standard in a world that has no standard is transforming. When young people start hanging out with my boys and my daughter, there's another standard of life. Right, Gabby? The joy on your face is amazing. The peace of God as you believe in his word. But having somebody next to you living that life makes all the difference. 
And so what we're talking about here is not religious and we're not raising a standard and holding out a plumb line for people's demise and criticism and becoming Pharisees. But to find out what the true measure of God is for all things, walking uprightly, working out righteousness, speaking truth in the inside. Verse 3, he who does not slander with his tongue, talking about other people. He who does not do evil to his neighbor. He who takes up, he who did not take up his reproach against a friend. Verse 4, in the eyes of an evil person is despised. Evil people, vile people are to be despised by those who hold the standard of God. You're not supposed to accommodate somebody who's living life twisted. His greatest day is when you call him out. But he honors those who fear the Lord. Those are his heroes. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Verse 5. The person, he does not hold out his money to interest. He does not take a bribe. Listen what it says. If you hold God's standard, he who does these things shall never be shaken. The reason why God is holding out a standard is so that we're not moved. The reason God calls us to higher ground is so that there we could not stumble. He says to that uh, in John 15, verse 18, the world hates you. Know that it hated me before it hated you. When you hold the plumb line, the people despise you because it called to action. Either you get right vertically, right with God, or you hate the person that's telling you you're not right with God. But the church is God's plumb line. He says, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. Verse 19, if you belong to the world, the world would love you as his own and treat you with great affection. It's one of the things that happens in many of our conferences. Uh, people marvel that a man of God might know theology. So if you get up here and you give some wonderful expression of your depth and knowledge of the word of God, people applaud. Oh, que lindo. I've never gotten an ovation or an applause after I preach. I don't know why. But I think it's because I hold the plumb line of God's standard of righteousness for manhood, for fatherhood, for husbandry, for family, for church. And that's what God does in his mercy to his people. He says, I hold a plumb line so that you might be delivered from being destroyed. Isaiah 58, 1 says like this, cry out loud and spare not. Don't let leave anybody out. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob declare to them their sins. Because if we're able to have the plumb line in our hand, the Bible says in verse 8, the standard of God will cause your light to shine like the noonday sun. Your light shall break forth as in the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. A lot of people that are waiting, where's God's provision? Use God's plumb line. You're not going to see God's provision until you build according to his plumb line. That causes God's double thumbs up and you're fooling around. You're building wrong. Your healing will be speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. He will deliver you. Verse 9, then you shall call upon the Lord and he will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the fingers and speaking wickedness, speaking vanity, verse 10, 
If you draw out the soul to the hungry, if you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted, then your light shall be as the noonday sun. Your darkness shall be no more darkness. Verse 11, we finish with this, and I just want to reiterate that I'm not going to apologize for being God's plumb line to this generation because that is the only hope to restore things twisted. Then the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in times of famine. Make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of life whose water never fail. Verse 12, and they shall, they, they shall, they that shall be of thee, those who decide this, shall build old waste places, things devastated by generations, raise up foundations of many uh, generations. They shall be called the repairer of things broken, the restorer of paths to dwell in. This is how we're going to live. A lot of people say, man, that's a lot of Bible verses you don't know. That's a lot of Bible verses I live. I have no interest to know Bible verses and teach things that are not a reality in my life. I want to see them come true. Verse 13, if you turn thy foot away from Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure, if you stop having your own measure, your own standard, and you shall call my day honorable and shall honor it by not doing your own ways, nor finding out your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words. Quit, quit establishing standards that are not his. It's a glorious measure. When Christ comes into the world, his life and teaching was completely opposite of everything going on in Israel. In the Old Testament, every declaration of a prophet and a messenger of God was saying, return ye to the ways of the Lord. Do it God's way. You get God's results. Verse 14, you shall be a delight unto the Lord. And he will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and find that inheritance from your father Jacob. For the word of the Lord has spoken this. I want to encourage everyone here today that we start figuring out what God wants, how he wants it, how he sees it. Not how you see it, how you want and how you feel. When you have a fake standard, Jeremiah 6.14 says, you're trying to put a band-aid on a tumor. They have tried to heal the hurting of my people slightly by saying everything's going to be okay when it's not going to be okay. That's the worst curse you want in your life for somebody that you present yourself before and say, how am I doing it, okay? And he says, yeah, everything's going to be fine. He says, don't do that to my people. Verse 15, were they ashamed when they had committed things that God does not is not pleased with? No. They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. They weren't even embarrassed for not doing it God's way. Therefore, they shall fall amongst those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be cast down. He was telling them there, you guys are trying to plaster a wall that's about to come down and, and, and implode upon my people. We don't want to build like that. We don't want to have... Christians that are walking around in a manner that is not a standard for the coming generation. Let's stand this morning and thank you for your patience. All to say that the Spirit of the Lord is calling us in the last days 
to raise his standard above our own, to raise his measure of excellence. What, what, is, what is what God intends? Yeah, Paul says we haven't gotten there yet, but we're trying, we're pursuing it, we're not apologizing it, and we're definitely not diminishing it. We've been in ministry now since we got saved and watched and observed a lot of destruction from so-called Christians, from those who profess Christ, but their buildings are in shambles. Their marriages are, are coming to an end. Father, I thank you this morning for your mercies upon our life. I thank you that when you were introduced to us, you came with a measure of excellence, uncompromised. You're not going to accommodate people according to their sentiment. You don't change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your measure, as you told Amos in chapter 7, verse 7, is that you build according to a vertical excellence and that you don't apologize. You don't diminish from your standard of excellence to the nations. And here we are, your people, called in a day and age where darkness has flooded our streets. And you've promised in Isaiah that when the enemy comes in as a flood, you would raise a standard against him. So raise us up, Lord. Allow us to be seen. Allow us to walk in that measure of grace, of your goodness, to do all things according to your will. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have compromised, the times we have deviated and diminished your level your values, your standard, your principles, and allow us to walk in them through your grace and mercy. Allow us to live as you would want us to live, to speak to our wives as you would want us to speak to them, Lord, to be a refreshing to all peoples in all places as we walk in love. For your be the glory, Lord. Yours be the honor, Lord. Use us in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, Amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Tomorrow night, men's meeting is canceled because we're going to celebrate Memorial Day. Okay, no men's meeting tomorrow night. Enjoy your families, your wives, your day, and rest. And we'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you.